0: and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum show Our three podcasts. This
1: might be college football.
0: Welcome in as we continue the second
2: half of the program live here and uh, let's get right back to the calls. Ari Wasserman joining us in a few minutes. talk about the portal and Jim is up next.
3: Yeah, you, uh, you and your number – he's talking about your number one leg humper. I, I heard that a couple hours ago, whenever it was, about early in the show. Uh, making, Trying to make fun of me, snickering, laughing. Uh, and you love that. You, I can see it on your face. You grin. You, 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 you said somebody one time a long time ago, a few people told you what kind of athlete I am or was and still am. Uh, gifted, very gifted, very skilled. I'm not going to say great, but I, that, that's what people said when I played. But you're going to let that fool, that fool from Mississippi – uh, Ronnie, you know, the uh, what's his name? Calls himself Squirrel, a rodent, which is really it, what he is, is a total fool. I'm gonna tell you something, Paul. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open up a little channel here that might not be, well, I'm gonna do it anyway. I talked to, uh, I, I talked to Augie a lot. I like Augie. He's a smart guy. We talk on the internet. We talk, and, and, and we were talking about three, about a week ago, two, a week and a half ago. And he said, he said, good night. He said, I saw that guy talking about Squirrel. He said, I can't believe how the, how decrepit he looks how, how decrepit he is he's decrepit looking he's 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 a moron he looks like a complete dun, dummy you're talking about stupid he's a stupid looking idiot and he does and he, that's what he is on the show and he tries to be so cool you know with a gift of gab trying to trying to put somebody down that's all he ever does he never says anything he wasn't a good athlete i can see you know, he wasn't even in my league. You know that. I think you know that. I know Everybody that knows me knows that. But you're going to do that. and you, I'm going to tell you something, Paul. The only stupid thing I've done is call your show. And that show is now stupid. Your show is stupid because you talk about stupid. You talk to stupid people, and I think partially you are stupid. you got a good mind, but you're stupid the way you act. So you can't push back on anything I say or what you did to me because you've already done it. And I don't want—I don't want to talk about it. But I'm going to do my best not to bother you anymore. Or you can try to humiliate me. Thank you, Paul, for what you've done. You're uh, bye.
2: Thank you for the call, Jim. Augie is up next.
1: Well, I did say, Paul, that you remember when um, you were in Oxford and um, Squirrel was bringing you the ham. Yeah. And you almost took a face plant. <laughs> I did remember. I do remember that. <laughs> I got to say, Squirrel did, uh, he was showing his age there. Um, so I can't I can't deny what's on the video. But, uh, Paul, uh, going to your caller before Jim, um, John from St. Louis. Yes. He really does not like Daniel Ellsworth, does he? No. <laughs> um, I
2: mean, he's. And by the way, a lot of you are probably trying to figure out what the uh, Pentagon papers were. Just watch the movie, The Post, and it will be (laughs)
1: self-explanatory. Well, basically, it was about body count and winning the war and covering up the fact that it was basically a stalemate and we'd never win it. The Pentagon knew it, but they were just dragging their feet and showing the Russians, hey, we're willing to fight. But that's in a nutshell, right? That's my historical fractured fairy tales. But I uh, I
2: never thought, uh, Augie, that in uh, 2024, I would be arguing whether Nixon was right. (laughs) in 1969, 70s <laughs> i mean the, the, for those who don't know nixon was forced out of office he would have been impeached and he would have been he would have been criminally charged except his successor gave him a uh, unconditional pardon but you
1: know you gotta you gotta at least give it to john that he even knows what the pen he even knows the word pentagon oh, no, he, uh, i
2: mean he, i mean he's uh, I think he was the one who, desi- who devised the Southern strategy in
1: 68. Well, anyway, uh, it's, uh, what do you think the odds are of John calling you back?
2: I think they're good because I think John's I think blood pressure good. is not being controlled properly by his internist. His <laughs> diabetes is not being controlled properly by his endocrinologist. <laughs> and uh, I think he needs uh, a CAT scan of his uh, of his uh, of his neurological system.
1: Well, you're his therapist. I mean, he's not going to be able to not call you. He's not. Gonna I be able I, to I mean, Augie, I'm you. not
2: leaning on the court for, but I, I felt like I was sympathetic during that call.
1: It's uh, yeah. It sounds so. John would make a great, and you might have a different opinion, but he would make a great assassin because he starts out his calls, he seems to be amicable, he's, he seems to be in a good mood, and then he takes a quick right turn down that dark alley, and now yeah. he's got a gun on you. You know, Augie,
2: i got a friend who uh, who's now the head of uh, the WWE. He used to represent me. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not advocating violence, but... If they ever needed a cage match between Jim and John, it would it would it would it wouldn't last long,
1: would it? I think Jim would uh, eat John up. Uh, Jim's really good with uh, taking care of himself and defending himself. I missed the earlier part. I of didn't the realize show, you though. were you so, and
2: you and Jim now have an alliance.
1: Well, you know, I've always admired and respected Jim. He's, you know, as I say, Jim never changes his position. He's consistent. And you may. You might like his position, but well, yeah I mean, I think it's well known how I feel it. about Jim Well, you said it, you said he was the greatest caller ever, and I know there are times when people call and complain and make fun of Jim, and they do exactly what they're doing to get the reaction out of him. but I know that you still want Jim to continue to call in pretty much regardless of what goes on i mean that's what i've been observing since i've been listening to you but paul this alabama portal thing has gotten out of hand did you see where the fans are now transferring no, i didn't hear that what's up I've, I've got reports in my twitter uh blog that yesterday joe from red bay went into the portal now oh he's visiting different schools i think he was at missouri uh yesterday <laughs> and now today he and john have uh, well, formed an alliance well, Legion has put his uh, hat into the transfer portal. He's going to deny it, but um, he's actually looking at the Big Ten.
2: That's fine. And he's
1: looking at the Big Ten network. So, I don't know, Paul.
2: If he can find the Big Ten <laughs> network, I wish you would let me know. Thanks for the call. Uh, George is up next in Georgia. Hello, George. How's it going today,
4: Paul? There we go again. I can't help myself from saying you're doing no. great. Thank well. you for checking in. Yeah, um, so – you know, one thing I wanted to say is, uh, you know, um, I do miss one of your callers, Cat Daddy from South Carolina. You know, he always opened up with Big Paul, looking good, smelling good, sounding good, Big Paul. Uh, I miss old Cat Daddy. He's a hoot. But um, so anyway, I was listening to John there a moment ago, and um, so I do service work in a uh, nonprofit group. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, part of our rules or whatever is we use this thing called consensus-based decision-making. Are you familiar with that?
2: I've heard of that, yes.
4: Okay, well, anyway, uh, one of our deals in there is um, the traditions or whatever is supposed to protect the group from, you know, uh, evil factions, I guess we would put it, is, um, you know, anyone can redress a grievance without fear of, um, you know, repercussion or whatever, you know but it also doesn't mean that we can't call on your, your grievance.
2: Yeah. Uh, I appreciate your calling expired is up next hello expired. I want to con- congratulate some people today. Paul, first of all, I want to congratulate you.
5: Congratulations. Congratulations. You. Congratulations that Jim and John are done. That is a. Hell that's a. That's debate. a good day. That is a good day. You could go home right now, make you a martini, and uh, and and call it a a really really good day. Might want to grab a, a lottery ticket, Jim. Nobody gives a crap about how sorry of an athlete you were, so just shut up. And John, thank God you're gone. Uh, that is a great day. The other thing I want to congratulate. I'm just congratulating everybody today, Paul. I want to congratulate. Ohio State, congrats on hiring AM's athletic director. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. No more Jimbo because of him. Okay. What he did with Freeze was wrong. I didn't like when we hired him. Uh, he has made some decent hires for AM. Uh, but man, congrats, Ohio State. How do you feel about that hire for Ohio State, Paul?
2: uh i mean i i think ross is uh unique in uh his approach i understand the criticism but i've always liked him
5: good and
1: i also want to congratulate
2: uh
5: mike elko while we're at it uh you know we lost some good players i looked down last night and uh we have the number one portal class in the nation at texas a&m so uh yeah we lost some good players but uh Ole Miss is going to figure it out real quick with Walter Nolan if he's not getting his money, uh, he's not going to be very happy. And and he was a cancer in the locker room. And I hate talking about a kid, but uh, we're not kids anymore. We're getting paid to play, so uh, kind of like pro football, you can bash anybody you want. So, a little bit different than anyways, it used to Paul, be. I agree with you. It really is. And and Paul, uh, funny. Did you see the tweet by Walter Nolan yesterday?
2: I I, I didn't. I, I did not. What did he say?
5: He, he put a tweet out talking about A&M. If you sign an NIL deal, you know, make sure you read everything. Well, Walter, did you expect to get paid uh, when you transfer, continue to get paid? I mean, any contract's going to void when you go, go somewhere else. I mean, uh, uh, Kalen DeBoer is not getting paid by Washington anymore. Now he signed a new contract with uh, Alabama. So a lot of these kids, uh, they need a, a good lesson in finance and maybe Augie could help him out. But uh, anyways, just want to say hello, Paul, and, and congratulations on a great show, and congratulations getting rid
2: of them idiots. Well, thank you, uh, and congratulations for having a great call. We're all congratulating everyone else, but we must take a break. We're back after this.
6: You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch.
2: We're back, uh, and glad that you are here, and uh, let's uh, check in with Jackson in North Carolina. Hello, Jackson. Good afternoon. Hey, Paul. I'm a longtime follower. Your first time calling. Thank you. So I had a few things to talk
5: about. I wanted to go back to what Ralph said about Florida State. Okay. Um, that one po- at some point, there's going to be so many teams in a conference that they're just going to have to say no eventually, right?
2: Well, I mean, the problem I think for Florida State, uh, I mean, they, they have a, they're they an attractive product, and that's really what we're talking about here. Are they a good TV right. team? Yes, but nobody needs them right now. Uh, the Big Ten just added four. That's a lot to digest. I can tell you uh, because of all the things that we've been doing, I mean, the adding Oklahoma and Texas is a major adventure for the SEC and the idea of just getting another uh, random team. And quite frankly, Florida State is, not that great. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas are far superior. Uh, what do you, what do they really add to the, to the bottom line other than, uh, junking it all up? Right.
4: And
5: another thing I was going to talk about Georgia with their recruiting, you know, they lost Jermaine Burton to Alabama, who was part of their championship run, pretty good player. Then they lost uh, Marshall. The next year to Alabama, get a rotational player. But now their fans are mad that we might be getting Caleb Downs.
2: Yeah, I mean they're they're probably going. There's about uh, what I've heard is this: there's probably three players. Georgia is uh, excuse. Yeah, Kirby is targeting at Alabama. Downs was obviously number one. There's two other ones that, uh, uh, and and Texas and, and and Georgia are really the biggest threats. I mean, do they have a lot of money? Yeah, uh, but they're not just coming in there taking random players. Uh, they're going for the cream of the crop. Right. And the last thing, Paul, before I go off, uh,
5: be sure to bring in Michael Bretonmore. That guy has a great sense of humor.
2: He real, I mean, listen, it's pretty obvious we like Michael. Uh, we, we've seen him a couple of times this year on the road, and uh, he, he was very funny the other day. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Let's uh, check in with Rusty uh, down on the golf. Uh, hello, Rusty. Hey, Mr. Feinbaum. How are you doing today? We are well, thank you. Hey, listen, man,
7: first of all, I've got to apologize to you. Um, I did not mean to cost you uh, two long-time listeners. I mean, John and Jim, I love them to death, but at least they took my advice. I mean, they're stepping away from the TV for a little bit. So, And I don't want to be lengthy because I don't want to drive A.J. away. I mean, crap, last thing i want to do, he's a great caller too. I mean, he gave me – I'd never heard Rusty Nurse before. That was completely original. Shout out <laughs> to him, man. But, listen, I do have uh, – two serious questions for you. Okay. Um, the NIL, do you think and with college football, do you think it would ever get to the point with these NILs that there would possibly be like something like the NFL, like a salary cap for these things? Is there, is there even well, a way that, to that's do
2: a, that? That's what's being proposed, but I, I don't think a lot of people are going to go for it because when you start restricting uh, what a young person can make, uh, you open up a big door that nobody wants to see.
7: Yeah, I mean we're basically almost NFL now. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's we, the only be, way he, is
2: is to is to uniform it, and and then you could once it became uh, either unionized or professional. I mean, and I mean, for all the people, for us to talk about college football being at this inflection point and it's horrible. It's not horrible. The the numbers this year of people that went to games and watched games were bigger than it's been in a long time. And there's more excitement. Uh, yeah. If you're an old timer and you played in the fifties and sixties, uh, it's distasteful. but those guys were making money under the table back then too. It was just a different, it was a just different, a different, different system.
7: That that's fair. That's fair. That's fair, man. I'm just, butt hurt that our, our little dynasty came to an end, but that's all right. Um, my second question is, um, y'all were talking about Florida state earlier and I'll tell you, man, I've worked at hospitals pretty much all over the country and, you know, when you get to the Gulf Coast, we down here, especially in Gulf Shores, Alabama's not the dominant team. Auburn's not the dominant team. It's not LSU. It's not Florida State. But you have to look at Florida State, especially Florida State, as geographically being a really great fit. I mean, I think they're a better draw than Vanderbilt. I mean, it would be like Wisconsin, the SEC well, I mean, you, picking you, up you Wisconsin. You Vanderbilt. You I mean,
2: Vanderbilt's a real challenge right now, and uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know what's going on there uh, for all the hype and all the good feelings that we get every July at media days, it just doesn't seem to add up.
7: I mean, they hold the academics up for our conference. I'll give them
2: that. Well, that is a a plus.
7: Yeah, great
8: talking to you, bud. You have a great day. Thank you.
2: Uh, You be well, you take care of yourself. Miss Pat is back.
8: Hey, Paul. My phone, was driving me crazy. I was trying to, I have the ESPN app, I have ESPN Plus. I wanted to be able to watch you when I talk to you, but it, it's well. It, it I should am, be on.
2: So. Uh, it should be on ESPN Plus.
8: Well, I I have the app and it keeps saying you need to reauthenticate by my. Oh, you know, okay. Well, TV, I mean, I I, I can't answer provider, that, but I do I
2: know. Guess. I mean, we're watching it in here on on on, on the digital. Okay. But anyway, we'll figure it out.
8: Well, anyway, okay. Well, the reason I called was it's either the twentieth or the twenty second of January will be two years from the first time I called you.
2: Oh, man. Uh, that's, I know. I'm, I'm glad you've you've made it this long.
8: I know and I'm sorry I haven't called lately. Um, i kind of got scared away, but I'm not scared now, but I did want to call you and just tell you that we have an anniversary coming up. So how's that?
2: Which uh, which number is this?
8: Oh, I was talking about calling your program. Oh, okay. oh, oh I, I thought I thought you were talking about you and your oh, husband. Sorry. Well, well, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary. 40th. We got married on New Year's Eve, 1983, and we went How to San Antonio and celebrated. It was fun.
2: Uh, do you know on New Year's Eve, 1983, I was uh, in New Orleans covering Auburn in the Sugar Bowl.
8: Really? Yes. Oh, wow. We went to the, Michael is still active duty military, and we went to the courthouse in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and a probate judge married us, and we had two policemen in the hallway as our... Um, uh, what you call it? Our, well, it's over
2: there. Well, that's so. great. Well, Anyways, well, uh, well so so 20th. is it the twentieth of the twenty-second of the of our anniversary? I
8: think it's the twenty-second. Okay, we'll celebrate it. Uh, so the
2: twenty-second is this weekend, isn't it? It's, next it's Monday. Monday. Okay. Next
8: Monday. Well, we'll have. Yes. I'll have a special. Anyway.
2: I'll have a special surprise for you.
8: <laughs> okay, I let, still love you, Paul, and I love your program.
2: Thank you, Miss Pat, joining us. Okay, let's uh, hit the phones and talk to Joe, who's up next. Uh, hello, Joe. Go right ahead. Hello, Paul. How are you today? Hey, we're doing great. Thank you. Good.
0: I, I,
2: I, I uh, live down in Faro,
5: Alabama, but I grew up in Tuscaloosa, and I got to tell you,
1: I first started listening to your show when the coaching search was going on
5: before Nick Saban, and Oh, gosh, since, the,
2: what is it now? 17 years? That yeah, that was uh, January of 2007. Well, I hate to admit I've been talking to you that, I mean, listening to you that long. I've never called in. Well, I appreciate that. But, um, well, you,
3: you do a pretty good job, you know,
2: for an old man. Yeah, um, you know, it's a, it, it's a struggle to get in here every day. They all help me and prop me up and then they, they, they get me situated when it's over. Thank God for the bourbon, right? Yeah, that is, that is the secret. I got it. And that's the secret
0: sauce. I, I just wanted
7: to say one thing about, uh, Jim, I grew up in
5: Tuscaloosa. I don't know Jim, but uh, he's a buffoon. He He, he talks all this Christian stuff and then it just calls people fools and degrades everybody. And it's just so sad, but other than that, I love your show. And I just wanted to say that I, I think Kevin DeBoer uh,
2: was a really good, good choice for the new head coach. What do you think? Well, I think, uh, he certainly has impeccable credentials and no matter who they brought in, uh, there would be a struggle. Kirby smart would be waiting at the border ready to snatch up the best and the brightest uh thank you for the call appreciate it we head to the break we'll talk about what is going on in the portal with one of the great reporters and writers in the country Ari Wasserman from The Athletic he is next
0: you're listening to the Paul Feinbaum show podcast
9: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
2: We're back, and what has been the biggest story of the week is how, how are things happening in the uh, recruiting uh, portal, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's check in. With Morgan in Washington D.C. Hello, Morgan. Hello, Paul. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you very much.
0: Very proud Tennessee volunteer. I know you and I share that distinction. And I had a um, an observation, and it might even morph into a question. But I was recently debating with with an uncle of mine who took a position that college uh, athletics, college rather college sports coaches. Are radically overpaid relative to what they do for the university. And I I took the opposing position. And the example I used was in 2022, the weekend after the University of Tennessee beat Alabama at Nalen, a very close personal friend of mine attended a board meeting on campus. And during that board meeting, she was told that on the Sunday Immediately after the Alabama win, the University of Tennessee received over 500 applications from prospective students, and that subsequent Monday, they received over 300 applications for prospective students. So that's an observation, Paul. My question to you is, relative to the University of Alabama and Nick Saban leaving, do you think that they are thinking about, or perhaps worried that if they have slippage in their, in their, uh, in their one loss column, that their enrollment may suffer as a result of that? It's a,
2: it's a really fascinating question, Morgan. Uh, I remember talking to the chancellor at the university, uh, Robert Wood, who hired Sabin as the, as the president, and he said it was the single best investment the school ever made, and, and, and that's why. Uh, Alabama went from a very good school to an elite school based on academics. Uh, All of a sudden uh, they started recruiting uh, top students around the country and were able to give them the top level scholarships. And I've talked to many college presidents about the same thing. It it can be that important and it means that much. And I I don't think that's necessarily going to stop overnight, but if you're looking, if if you're a top student somewhere outside of the South and you're looking at Alabama today, uh, and and that and, and football played played a role. Uh, you probably will have to look at it uh, a little more closely. Thank you very much for the call. Really do appreciate it. Ari Wasserman joining us now from the Athletic. Certainly, uh, so much to uh, unpack when it comes to where we are. His uh, latest article: Don't fall coaches for bolting, but their players shouldn't be allowed to follow. Ari, right, great to have you on. I want to talk about that big picture, and then we'll we'll chisel it down to what is happening uh, at Alabama. Good afternoon. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me back on. I always appreciate it. Well, let's, let's talk about your theme there, because uh, it is absolute chaos at a couple of places in the country where, where three or four openings have just occurred.
10: Yeah. You know, I, I uh, don't know if you know this about me, but I went to Arizona. So when Arizona lost, Jed Fish to Washington, I'm in group chats with close friends that I've had my whole life who went there with me, who were devastated by it. And as a reporter who's kind of got his head in the cloud as it pertains to what normal fans are are thinking and feeling, it was a kind of a revelatory thing to kind of watch them go through the pain of that, of a program um, that built something in a way that it hadn't built in decades, in terms of a coach that understood the place, spoke the language, did the things that needed to be done, like bringing Teddy Bruski back and Rob Gronkowski to the spring game and accumulated talent in a way that the team hasn't seen in a long time. And thus, obviously, one more, um, after those, the foundation of the building blocks of that program were starting to take into effect, uh, someone else could come in and just buy that and take it away, the whole thing, with the players. Um, and I've had a really hard time. Um, with the notion that, you know, code believing the players are going with them. And as the few days have gone by since that column ran, you know, I've had to do some soul searching in terms of limiting players and whether or not that's a uh, uh, the right thing to do. Because at the time it was a response or a thought process of what could be done in the time between now and when we get collective bargaining agreements where contracts are signed and and players are employees and can't just up and leave the way that they can now. And I I don't love the notion of limiting players um, in their abilities to leave a program if their coaches leave. What I don't like is the ability for a program to take a coach, and part of what makes that coach um, marketable or appealing to that program is that he may bring really good players also with him. Um, so I thought in the time being a restriction of one school that those players cannot transfer to, they can't, they can transfer just to not one school is a mild limitation that could solve that problem. But in the time since, like, it really just hasn't, it didn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit right with readers that you're limiting players when coaches can go wherever you want. And I, and I agree with that, but I'm just trying to come to some sort of solution before the inevitable happens that stops, you know, programs, foundations from being taken when good things go or to me, it kind of makes feeling rooting for a team that's in the lower tier, trying to build something really, really hard to do.
2: That's a really good point. And uh, I had a chance to meet uh, Jed Fish uh, this summer uh, and really liked him and and could see It it was at a University of Arizona event in Washington. And uh, I understand exactly uh, why he had so much appeal. Speaking of appeal, Nick Saban has been at the epicenter of college football for most people's memory and the reaction and the fallout has been felt uh, with great pain and difficulty. Uh, So let's talk about Kaylin DeBoer, uh, the impact and and really what it all means, uh, give uh, the headline here in the athletic and Kalen DeBoer: Did Alabama get the right coach and recruiter to replace Saban? We had Greg Byrne on yesterday, defending it.
10: What do you think? Um, I think that, well, first of all, let me just say, and I don't know if this goes for other people who didn't grow up in the South or grow up, you know, with sec football in their face. Um, that I, as a 36-year-old man, was just kind of met with an air of sadness when he retired because Nick Saban, to me, was such an integral, comforting piece to the sport, a constant figure um, that, you know, made me feel like even throughout all the changes that are occurring right now that you have an old-school man who knows how to evolve properly and build a monster is still there uh, to kind of make it feel normal. So the fact that the, the the best coach of all time, and I'm comfortable saying that, is no longer a part of our sport is a very sad thing for me. Um, I, I don't know if, uh, if that rings true for others. I'm, I'm sure it's certainly true for Alabama fans. So when you ask is, in the headline that you just read off of the story that I wrote today, um, is Kalen DeBoer the right coach? Um, I think that's a very uh, complex issue. Um, and I'll start with complimenting him. I think that... He was the most innovative and fun coach to watch this year. Um, I personally have always been a proponent of trusting your players and the players that you brought in or players that you have recruited or, or have you know played under you to make plays in high-leverage moments. And nothing epitomized that more to me uh, than when they went for it on a fourth and one from their own 29-yard line in the game's final minutes against Washington State and not only went for it but had the perfect play call uh, dialed up that was just a thing of beauty. Um, his whole entire season to get that team to the national championship game was absolutely masterful. And I say this because I think he is a heck of a coach, and I don't think anybody sane would, would push back at the notion that Alabama's football teams moving forward are going to be well-coached, prepared, and have an elite-level game plan. Offensively, what he, he and Grubb did, um, it was just remarkable. That said, you know, as you've heard me say many times on the show, I'm a very big recruiting head. Um, And I think that even though things are changing in this sport, where NIL and Transfer Portal um, gives you other options for how you assemble your roster, that you will be in a position to have great success if you bring in elite-level players at a very rapid rate. So now, quickly, as Alabama recovered from losing the best coach of all time. Nobody can fill those shoes. Nobody can feel right. But they went and got somebody very quickly who has never signed a top 200 player in his career. And this person has only been a power five head coach for two years. And frankly speaking, the vast majority of his roster that he took to the national championship game was assembled by Chris Peterson. Now this isn't a knock. This is just a question of Alabama fans have been accustomed to year over year, not only winning the recruiting crown, but signing, nine five-star prospects or 10 top 100 players in a given class. So is Courtney Morgan, the new GM of Alabama's football uh, team that's coming over with DeBoer from Washington, one of the best at picking three-star diamonds in the rough and turning them into really, really good football players. Are these coaches, um, the whole Washington staff, who isn't involved in the high-level five-star recruitments from Southern prospects because they haven't had to be in the South equipped to do that at Alabama or is this going to be a complete change of philosophy? Now, whether or not Kalen DeBoer is the right coach isn't something for either of us to say, I think right now, but I think we're going to get a pretty good sense of it in the coming months about who, who is Alabama involved with? Who are they recruiting? Who is committing? Who are they landing in the portal? How are they assembling this roster? Because Nick Saban for, the million great things that you can say about him, the one thing that he was in the sport was a relentless and maniacal recruiter who assembled a roster that had godlike figures at at a rate that other teams didn't have, and he beat the crap out of everybody else because his players were better. And I can't imagine a world where Alabama's players aren't better by a vast margin, and I am unsure about whether or not Kalen DeBoer is going to be able to situate that roster in the same fashion that Nick Saban did. I don't think anybody can, but getting somebody who doesn't have the background in doing it at all in his career is a very scary proposition for me.
2: Yeah, and Ari, because this is uh, one of your your skill sets, what does quantify or, or describe someone, I mean, other than Kirby
10: Smart and Nick
2: Saban, who can do that?
10: Well, I mean, I guess if it were just completely up to me and I could just go find somebody that was available right now, I would have gone for Dan Lanning because that would have made me feel a little bit more comfortable in the sense that he has a background in those atmospheres and clearly understands um, understands what it takes to do that. Now, funny enough, DeBoer beat him, I think, all three times he played him. Right. So, you know, I think that this is a very interesting intersection between DeBoer and Courtney Morgan's personal philosophy and whether or not that meshes with what your philosophy has to be when you're at at Alabama. Are fans at Alabama going to be able to handle signing the number 11 class instead of the number one? I mean, I think I could go back in time to 2011. Um, Alabama won the recruiting crown like 10 out of those 13 years and was only outside of the top three one time. And when they were, it was the number five class. Like, they need to hit the ground and they need to hit the ground running because Alabama has been operating at a level of talent accumulation that is unknown to anybody else in the sport uh, besides Georgia and Ohio State. Now, Georgia, we all know, um, you know, if they're soon to get Caleb Downs in the portal here, you know, that could happen soon, uh, is not going to stop doing that. Ohio State just signed a top three class. They're not going to stop doing it. Is Alabama going to take a step back? Uh, To me, I think that they're going to have a very good team. Um, they always will. I think their offense is going to be fun. I think is a hell of a coach, and I have so much respect for him. But I think the number one litmus test of whether or not he succeeds long-term at Alabama is if he can hit the ground running and keep Alabama as a dominant recruiting force um, in this sphere. And I think that when you look at all this, Paul, the question to me more than anything, I think maybe even more pertinent to whether or not Kalen DeBoer's the he- right head coach is this. Where do you put Alabama on the pantheon of places or jobs in this sport if you strip away the head coach that is either there or was there. Alabama is not Nick Saban. Kirby Smart is not, I mean, Georgia is not Kirby Smart. Ohio State's not Urban Meyer or Ryan Day. These places alone. And I wonder if Nick Saban's brilliance over the course of his tenure at Alabama um, jaded our viewpoint or clouded our judgment as it pertains to how great of a job Alabama is. Is Alabama a place that will recruit itself regardless of who the head coach is? Are they gonna sign top three classes because they're Alabama? Uh, My contention based on all the things that have happened since Nick Saban has left is that it won't. So he has a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do as a recruiter and a talent accumulator before I'm convinced that he's the right guy.
2: Ari, there's so much more I wanna ask you, but we have to leave it there because of time, but uh, we will continue this. What an extraordinary conversation. This has been with Ari Wasserman of The Athletic. We'll unpack it when we come back.
0: You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
10: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
2: Welcome back, and uh, Will is up next in Birmingham. Hey, Will. Yes, good
10: afternoon, Mr. Feinbaum. I'd like to change the subject a little bit. Please do. And talk talk about uh, Cadillac Williams. Yes, sir. I'd like to make a few comments about Cadillac for some of your listeners that may not be as familiar with him as we are. Then I'd like to hear your expert opinion and insight on why he has left Auburn after only one season under head coach Hugh Freeze. You know, Cadillac was a great running back at Auburn. He's always been a very loyal Auburn man. He had a very good relationship with the high school coaches, was a good recruiter. He had a great rapport with the players. He held everything together in 2022 when the program was virtually falling apart. And this year... Homer had a very good running game so hey well well, well, let me interrupt for a
2: second because i don't want uh, we're about to run out of time i want to put you on hold if you if you could uh, because i think you're you're talking about something very very important so don't go anywhere we'll be right back to you uh, because uh, we asked uh, one of the reporters the other day about that and we're still trying to figure out why cadillac williams is gone we'll be back
0: you're listening to the paul feinbaum show podcast